0: Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket
1: service industry.
0: Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up.
1: My best piece of advice, and doesn't mean this is for everybody. You know, if if you want to be happy in your business, working in it, that's fine. But if you want something more, my biggest piece of advice is once a quarter, turn your damn phone off, turn your darn computer off, go up in the. For me, it's in the middle of nowhere sitting on a, on a hillside, I bring my notebook and a piece of paper, and I'm going to dream and draw out my plans, my goals, and really take half a day, five, six hours, tell my wife, tell my family, just, I'm gone. Five or six hours. I'm going to draw out what I want. I'm going to come back with a notebook, and then I'm going to reverse engineer how to get to those goals that we want. But you can't do that with distractions.
0: We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it.
2: I mean, I mean what I'm saying is is that, you know, that car that's going to walk in my door in the next 10 minutes, I I have these these things about average repairer, you guys both know that. I think that it should be X and when we go through the numbers, I'm like, hey, you guys aren't finding enough or you're not selling enough or, you know, whatever. I'm always critical of those kinds of things. And I think some people say, well, you know, if you have a, an opportunity and a goal that you think, are, are you not pushing your people to find work on cars that isn't, doesn't really exist? You know, are, are you creating a, um, a, an unfair environment for your customer? Seth, what do you think about that?
1: Well, so we do we do consistency standards checks to make sure that that isn't happening. Um, our third quarter of every year is reserved for that meeting. So we just had our all company third quarter meeting. So we bring L shops down the one. We have four cars on the hoist. We have three cars out front and every technician inspects at least one vehicle that's been thoroughly inspected by somebody else. And even the tech that inspected that vehicle shuttled to another vehicle. And we check that all our techs are writing up the same things in the same level of severity, the same standards. And then we check that our service writers are writing up the cars and finding scratches, NICs, finding sales opportunities on maintenance, finding check engine lights on the cars. And then our check-in process on our porters are finding cars low on gas, things like that. So we do a, our third quarter company mean is an all systems check. And I will say that, you know, in the three or four years we're doing it, this was probably our best year because we worked hard on training and everything like that. And we had less than a 5% variance on three cars checked with nine technicians. Our front office didn't fare as well. Um, 50% of them missed the check engine light on on the car. Uh Um, So we got some retraining to do with some front office staff, but we got some new people. But we have some severe training to do, which tells me where our deficiencies are and our check-in process. And that's a lot of opportunity missed up front. Um, and then our porters all caught everything on the loaner car check-in, which helps maintain our loaner fleet, reduce expenses, and things like that. So that's our third quarter meeting, and that's how I try to ensure that they are finding the true things that a car needs.
2: So the, the, the front office staff, is, is they're wearing their electronic um, uh, collars. Colors,
0: no, right? no, we're, they're,
1: they're gonna, we have a, we have a video training in our LMS and they're getting resent back through some of that check-in process stuff and we'll just retrain them. And, and some of them were new and some of them had only been with us a week. So I, I it, they were really new to this, but they also walked away after talking to them going, we're impressed and we're not, we're, we're surprised at how consistent the technicians are. It builds a lot of trust in what the tech writes up to them that every tech would see the same.
2: Okay. Jeremy, do you feel that having a um, a number in your head that you're trying to work towards uh, creates an unfair environment for the customers or how do you make sure that that doesn't happen
3: in your business? So our number is which is whatever our number is is our number. You know, I mean, it's just whatever that number is, that's our consistent number that we you know that we just know after an average that's what our number is going to be. Uh, on our opportunity number uh, you know okay. and then that's what we manage off that number is so um just because you know somebody said that might be that might be the number we know that's what our number but we do kind of the same thing what seth was talking is we bring everybody in and uh, you got to make sure you're doing consistent inspections with everybody throughout the system i mean throughout the industry because um and it builds a lot of trust especially whenever you've got all your technicians uh writing up everything the same way with your advisors. I mean, it's very important. So how does that, how does that benefit the
2: shop by doing that? Well, you know, what's the, I think a lot of guys, they're just, they're going through the motions, but they're not really planning and putting the pieces in place. Uh, You've got a coach that's always um, giving you a hard time that your opportunity is not high enough or that your average operator is too low. How does that help you or deter, you know, or, or hurt you, um,
3: on that. Whenever, I'm sorry. Like, me? Whenever, whenever it's low, like with the trust or I, I'm I, my, my you know. So
2: I'm, I'm always giving Seth a hard time too, by the way, because their average opportunity and average apparel are always a little lower than I think it ought to be for the type of shop that he has. Um, uh, and I don't know, Seth, if, if you'll share that number here, but what is your average opportunity? you how much European in your shop? Is it all European? All European. Okay. And you're in Minnesota. Um, your labor rate is 140, might, 145. And, and what's your typical opportunity that you're finding? Average? Oh, about
1: 20, about 2,600 a car.
2: Okay. And your sell rates are a little
1: low right now.
2: Um, what's it's, your average repair order approximately?
1: It ru- it runs right around eight fifty to nine twenty five. Okay, all right. My other store is in a higher demographic area, which is why our projections are different store to store. Same process, same everything. That store runs a thousand le- to eleven hundred dollars a year. So a hundred to two hundred dollars higher. Do you think that's then, is
2: the sell rate different, or is the opportunity different, or is sell rate? It's a
1: sell rate. You're actually different selling customers there. I-, I brought that service writer over here for a week, and same sell rate, same. But his his sell rate over there is higher. Okay,
2: then I mean he had the same sell rate when he came to your store.
1: So you that feel like my the store.
2: original store the customers are more difficult, they're harder.
1: I believe so. Yes. Okay. Look, sense. In my in my data.
2: Um, okay, um, I, I'm trying to get to this um, this question of is my pushing. Average repair order and opportunity um, putting pressure on the employees to do something that isn't okay because I think you know a lot of shops out there they say, well you, you, again, you don't know what's coming in on that car and and so one of the things that i 'm as a coach and a consultant is I look at one hundred twenty shops uh, routinely and I see their numbers and I know the guys that do it really well. Frankly, Seth, you are one of those people. And in Jeremy, you are fast becoming one of those people. So, so um I kind of know what I expect based on the fact that, you know, this is what I've seen in 63 European shops, and this is what I've seen in 47 uh general repair shops this year or last year, or over the a thousand shops over the last 10 years. But I think there's this this thought process in our industry that says, I cannot predict that. And if I put that out there, I see Seth smiling. Well, uh, Seth, what's your thoughts around that?
1: I'm smiling because you were freezing and stick and hanging up and nobody could hear anything that you were saying. Oh no. Um,
2: All right. (laughs)
3: Well, heck. I'm glad um, I was with
2: him. You're with him. Uh, Seth, do you think that it creates um, unfair pressure on the staff when you set these targets and goals?
1: I, I don't believe so because we give them, you know, that's where being part of a group such as with yours or in, in other groups is you have the numbers from all these other shops. So if they complain about it, like, well, all these other shops are doing it. We're not doing anything unethical, on moral illegal. These are, these are good benchmarks. And if we're not hitting these benchmarks, then, then we need to look, work really hard at why that's not happening. And I, I don't think it puts any undue stress on them. I don't certainly want anything going on unethical in the shop. I would never advocate for that. In fact, that would be the number one way to get fired in my company. But there are a number of things these vehicles need as they age and, and they need appropriately. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, what, what are your thoughts about that
2: yourself?
3: Uh, I would agree a hundred percent. You know, the only one I've ever even questioned with you, and I've talked to you many times about, was the opportunity one. And you know, being a tech before I ever did this, you know, the way I've always approached the one with the opportunity is when people have low opportunity, I always think it's a training issue more than anything. If you have a low opportunity, I think most of the time is your techs don't have the training to find what's actually wrong with the car. If you have a low opportunity, I don't think it's because um, you're not there's not actually anything wrong with the car. Your techs probably don't really know what they're actually looking for to find what's wrong with the car most of the time. And that was a lot of the case when you came in and helped us even look. you know, we weren't looking the cars over, you know, as good as we should, you know with it. So I mean, I really don't think there's a problem with with it um with those numbers.
0: What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our GEAR platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, GEAR provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to iFrame.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today.
2: Seth, what are the you, uh, Ken? You and I've been together for a long time. You run a really well-run business, and you don't spend sixty hours a week at your shops. What are the? Why does that? Why? Why is we are? Why are you able to make? you know, this, this really great living and not have to be involved in your business. Does the planning make that happen? Is there other things that make that happen? Can you hear me?
1: Seth? I can hear you. Okay. I'm waiting for Jeremy. Did he lose you? No, I was talking to you, buddy. Oh, I thought you were talking to Jeremy. Um, yeah, I I I think the planning and all of that makes a difference, and I, you know it sets you up for success. You, you if you don't do the things, it's really hard to do it. I mean, if you want to be away from your business, you have to be able to check in and know what's going on. Um, the email is pretty clear on that, right? Management by abdication is never successful. You can't leave and just think everything is going to take care of itself. You still have to. Whether it be present or whether it be monitoring it, you still have to be involved.
2: Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm still with you, Seth. A lot of shop owners out there feel like they do not have the time uh, uh, to, to waste on this kind of thing. What, what, what is your answer to that?
1: You'll never have the time time to do what you want to do unless you spend the extra time to set it up the way you want.
2: So when this all started, when you, when you bought the shop or when you buy a new shop or, or, or build a new shop, are you working harder at that period of time or, or is it kind of a more of a consistency throughout? Uh,
1: there, there are times when we open a facility, right, or open a new facility that there are bursts of time that I work a ton. And launching that facility and being involved and and heavily marketing in only a way that you can with the chamber. And you have three boots on the ground. Somebody has to do that. And that's generally the owner. So when I launch a store, there's a ton of time involvement. But as soon as that store is launched and going, no. Then it's back to you know monitoring the business and holding people accountable to what they need to do and going about my day doing the other stuff I want to do.
2: I want to ask one more question of you. We're going to ask more because we're, we got another 20 minutes to fill, but, but um when was the last time you physically, I, this maybe is, this is a wrong question for you because I know that you, you teach people how to work on BMWs and you have uh, LM, LMV. Yep. LMV for LMV, BMW tech support and training, which is BMW tech support and training. But other than that, take that out of the picture when was the last time you've physically worked on a vehicle in your shop that you needed to fix
1: pretty rare okay i mean it, you know if somebody needs me to hold an exhaust or something and i'm walking by i'll grab a hold of the exhaust and hold it or something but um generally anything that it is 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 the one in a million problem i have to solve in it on tech support right it's something really odd and so i'll get out there and i'll hook up the oscilloscope and look at data signals or, or something like that, but it's no different than those guys are calling me for that um, than I do for any other shop.
2: Okay. Um, uh, Jeremy, you're, you're, um, you're overstaffed in the, in the, in the office uh, at this point in time. What,
3: what are you doing with your time? Uh, right now, it's back with the technicians and, uh, you know, just helping them make sure that they're staying as productive as can be.
2: You're not working on cars, though? No. Okay. And how, how do you help your technicians stay as productive as they can be? Is it Do you got a whip or a cattle prod or, you know, <laughs> no, what, what, just, what are you doing?
3: No, just making sure that they've always got cars, you know, trying to, you know, if anything they can do as far as making making sure there's pulled in their stalls uh you know parts things like that and then if need to come up front helping you know really the biggest thing is just making sure um whatever they can do help with their their jobs you know um and then going up front in my office and whatever i can help you know with the business trying to plan things like that also but okay
2: I had this. Uh, I had this weird question in my mind, and I lost it. So I'll have to bring, I'll have to figure it back out here. It'll come back to me. Um, Seth, your again, your business runs relatively smoothly. How often do you have problems in your business that you have to be involved in, or that that really take you in- into them?
1: Uh, it, it's it's pretty rare. I mean, I'll get consulted on things as they, if they get all the way through the chain, um, you know, a customer threatens to sue us or something, then that goes to Daniel and Daniel may bring it to me to figure out how we want to handle it. But a lot of it's coaching him through what, what he needs to do to handle it. There's very, there's very rare things that truly have my involvement. I mean, I wear certain hats that I like to still wear Somewhere, marketing stuff. Decisions come through me. There's, there's certain hats I put on that I enjoy doing so that I'm just, they're assigned to me. Um, but majority of the stuff, no, I mean, we built an org chart and, you know, we put everybody in every spot in the org chart and I might be in two or three spots. And if we get big enough, we'll hire somebody else to fill that seat, but we build out what we want and what we dream. And I may just put myself in four seats at any given moment but okay
2: i think i think in business um there's constantly adjustments that need to be made so i have this great plan based on you know uh our fixed expenses and the money i want to make and that's going to be to do 2.6 million this year with my tax and everything um but during the year things are coming up and I, I don't mean unhappy customers because I think I think if you're in this business that you're going to have an unhappy customer at some point in time. You know, maybe a few a year. Uh, it can't be helped. But I mean, you know, the the techs aren't producing. The average reporter has dropped. the 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 opportunity has dropped. Um, Seth, who in your business who keeps an eye on that, and who? Who goes out and says, okay, we got a problem here. Let's get it
1: fixed. So that in my business, that's Daniel. And then he would work with the store manager. Okay. And then we also have our monthly leadership meetings where, you know, we're going to review last month and, and we're going to sit down as a, as a leadership team, which is generally my two shop foremen, my two store managers and Daniel, and we meet once a month for about two hours and that's on the books. And it's every second Wednesday of the month. And okay. there's no excuse to miss that meeting, basically.
2: Unless you're in the hospital uh, in, in intensive care. that's the Yeah, then you
1: better zoom in. in. <laughs>
2: that's, that's right. Then you better zoom in on their phone, kind of <laughs> <kinda laughs> breather thing on, you know. Like,
1: right. No, I, that's our time to connect and do it. But on a, on, a, on a basis, Daniel's checking the numbers and working with the store manager if there is an issue. Um, okay. if he can't resolve that with the store manager, or feels there's more intervention needed. Then he may say, Seth, I need you to go over and crack the whip harder than I am because something's not working. Okay. Do you, does,
2: um, but Daniel keeps you in the loop. Yeah. Uh, and that, that in the loop is because you have your normal meetings with him and you have your leadership meetings. So you're always in the loop. Yep. Okay. All right.
1: I may not um, be physically on site all the time anymore, but I'm well yeah. half the time I'm up at my cabin. You see the picture. <laughs> I know you're out there in a
2: meeting, and it's beautiful. And I'm like, I hate you, um, but but I get it. Uh, I kind of wish I was there. Um, I, in some ways, you've you've surpassed me in some of the growth and management stuff, and I think that's cool. Um, uh, uh, Jeremy, what what about? what about you? How, how often do you have to deal with a legitimate, um, issue more so probably than Seth right now, because you're not at the same place he's at. You're, you're a couple of years behind him in, in your, your learning and your growth phase, but, but how often do you have to deal with a real issue in your business?
3: Um, right now, if something comes up, you know, um, you know, I always try to let the people, you know, um, like an advisor or something, always try to let them handle it. And then, you know, if it gets escalated up, I'm always there to hand, you know, to take over, but um, I'm always trying to let those people handle it first. But if not, you know, I'm always there to handle it, but uh, we're pretty fortunate not to have too many things come up. Okay. Do you think that you're
2: fortunate not to have too many things come up because you do planning and because you have goals and because you're communicating with your people regularly?
3: Yeah. We, you know, we try to, we try to fight the fires ahead of time. You know, we always try to plan ahead.
2: Okay. Um, do you, would you, would you call your company more reactive or more proactive?
3: Uh, we definitely try to be proactive
2: on it. Okay. And not, and not reactive. Yes. Okay. Um, Seth, how did you get here? Because you weren't always that guy and your business wasn't always that business.
1: How how did you get there? Uh A lot of constant learning, um, read a lot of good books and, and really do some self-study and, you know, good coaching. Um, I, I get, I'm in some groups outside of our industry that help a lot. Um, I'm in some Vistage groups that are phenomenal for that, but it's a, it's a healthy investment, but you really learn, you know, there's businesses operating all over the world without the owner being on site all the time. And some of it is being able to let go and know they are not going to do it hundred percent the way you would do it. And that's okay.
2: Do you, I, I always say uh, we, we, um, that I have an acceptable level of incompetence. Do you have an acceptable level of incompetence? That to me is nobody's going to do it like me, not even, not you, not Jeremy. You know, even if you guys worked for me, you wouldn't do it exactly the way that I do it. And, and, I don't know maybe maybe both of you would put in more energy I don't know but but to me most people aren't willing to do what it takes you know to be in the position that I'm in and I set up what I call an acceptable level of incompetence so when I was a tech and then I became a manager of techs I knew that the techs weren't going to hit my level necessarily I mean how many people know as much about BMWs as you do Seth right I mean, what are there, maybe five guys in the United States or in the world that truly understand BMW the way you understand it? Um, so all the rest are not going to, they're not going to hit the same level as you are. Do you have, do you have a, a, a minimum standard for that?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, we have a pretty high minimum standard for that, but we also have some checks and balances. So, you know, and, and we have standard operating procedures on this. So standard, standard operating procedures fix a lot of lack of skill and lack of knowledge.
2: But you're also always training.
1: We are always training. Um, I'll, I'll take an example of I got a tech that's stuck on a car right now. And our standard operating procedure, if you're stuck on a vehicle, is we have a slack channel for techs. He has to post the problem internally before seeking any external help. And then in my company, we have nine technicians. So nine techs will see his help request internally and offer some help and assistance or maybe say, hey, did you try this, this, or this? Or, hey, I found this TSB, boom. And it's a constant training for everybody in the company because they'll see that message and go, I don't know, but that's a good thought. And so we're always retraining our own people inside of the company with that. If they can't, then there's a procedure to go outside the company for help. We don't get to that very often, but I think as far as levels of incompetence that you'll accept, standard operating procedures and making them work within the parameters of those procedures solves a lot of that.
2: Do you, so, so how, how you bought the business, what's it been, seven, eight years ago? Yeah. About About that. And, and, and when you bought the business, you, you. You bought a fairly well-operating business, but you've really improved it. Do you think that's because of the planning and the, and the ops and the training and all of that? Or do you think there's something else, you know?
1: Some of that's the planning and ops and training. Some of that is, you know, the, my predecessor kind of let me run with it without too much intervention here and there. I, you I, know, um, but it taught me that, okay, somebody else can run with things given the parameters. And so, you know, it was an own self-learning of, okay, well, then I need to be able to transfer what I was allowed to do to somebody else doing that. Otherwise, this thing never gets any bigger than where it was.
2: So if you hold on too tight, you can't really grow.
1: If you hold on too tight, you'll never grow because you are your own self-limiting. Um John Maxwell's book on leadership, right? You're creating your own, your own ceiling. And once you yeah. hit that ceiling, You are done unless you hire somebody that pushes that ceiling or you change yourself. Somebody
2: better than you. Hopefully I always, I always said the way that you, you get promoted in the companies. You you find someone that can do your job better than you and then you get promoted.
0: <laughs> There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame. they can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher AROs, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to iFrame.com and register now. We'll see you in class.
2: Jeremy, what about training in in your company? I mean, we've set these goals and targets, and uh, we believe them to be realistic, but what about you know how do we help our people accomplish that?
3: Um yeah, it's training. Um, you know, there's just I mean, it's amazing how much training's out there. Um, you know, our techs are always, always at training. Um, uh, and then you know, our advisors were lucky enough to be with you for advisor training. Um, we we got I mean, we got both advisors in training, and then um our techs are just always in training. Um, right now it's a little crazy with. You know, not having uh, everything's webinar and everything like that, but uh, just we're always in some tough training.
2: Did you, are any of your guys doing any of the Apex stuff, which is
3: going on right now? Uh, no, they're just all at the A, or uh, they're not in Apex. They're Okay. Side, but they're on.
2: Right. Seth, what about you? Are your guys in any of the Apex stuff right now? We're not, no. Okay. That's too bad. Um, all right. So, uh, back to the planning and setting goals and everything, is is there something that you think most owners or managers forget to do that that they, they don't, you know, they don't do that. You do. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll throw that one at Seth first.
1: Uh, I I think a lot of managers and owners want to get to the point of not being in their business, but they're afraid to do it. I, I see a lot of managers and owners do what I call, um, pigeon poop management where they fly overhead and just constantly drop poop on all their employees and then fly away and their employees are left reeling and not knowing what to do. Uh, I see that where they're just too afraid to trust their system and processes and let it go. Well, most of them
2: probably don't have systems and processes. So they do fly in and they do crap on their employees and, and then they fly out and, and people don't know what to do. Um, how, how complicated are your, Seth, how complicated are your systems and processes? I mean, how many processes do you have in your business?
1: We have quite a few, but they can't be complicated or they don't get followed. And the, the more complicated you make it, the less, the less they get followed. To me, it's, you want to hire the minimum elective acceptable intelligence that you need to do the job. If you're trying to hire all superstars, you're not gonna find them and you're not gonna grow. So good standard procedures and operating procedures that are well-written and easy to follow allow you to hire, I don't wanna say the lowest common denominator, but the lowest common denominator needed for that position.
2: So you're able to, uh, it ex- I always say good processes make uh, um, be- you know, mediocre people good and good people better. Yep, uh, that's that's what I say. Um, I probably stole it from someone like John C. Maxwell. I probably read it in one of his books. But, but um, uh, uh, Jeremy, uh, um, to you, kind of that same. Do you do you? How many processes? Again, you're at a different place than Seth. Probably not quite as far along the path. But how many processes do you have in your company? You
3: know, we don't have a whole bunch, um, but it, the ones we do have, uh, they're They're simple. Um, It's easy to follow, um, but they're, you know, well thought out, uh, you know, um, easy for, you know, easy for anybody to follow. Okay. Um,
2: All right. Uh, We're, uh, we're close to the end. Uh, A couple more questions for you guys, and then we'll give you the final uh, deal. Um, Jeremy is this something setting goals and, and everything? Is this something you do every year? And then, how over what period of time do you do that?
3: Uh, so, yeah, every year. Um, and then, as far as um, through it's throughout the year, um, you know, like I said, we, we do them and um, do them throughout, throughout the year. Um, we do them in July, and then we do them towards the end of the year, and then at the very first of the year, we I sat down with Tony and we start over and make sure that it's all clear and just you know check them throughout the year. So it's kind of an
2: ongoing process an ongoing, of yeah. of not only setting them but monitoring them and making adjustments. And Seth, you said that's the same thing that you you look at it quarterly. You make some adjustments if necessary. How often are you bringing the goal down? Um, and then, are you sometimes bringing the goal up, what, Seth? what What do you What does that look like? Well,
1: we'll We'll adjust it. Generally, that's going to be in our quarterly meeting. So our our fourth quarter will end here. So around December fifteenth, we'll start producing them. Our management team will start working on each store's goals, and then our our fourth quarter meeting will happen January tenth or whatever, and present the finalized goals to the team. And that gets that's going to be our Quarter one meeting of next year is always our next year's goals and projections, and and how we finish this year, um, and where we hit our goals. So, as far as adjustments, we try not to make a whole lot. We try to really be pretty good about predictions as we go, and this is where we really went to our minimum, our true goal, and our stretch goals, because then we have goals without adjusting them and then they don't feel as bad if they miss them because they generally hit one of the three. So that was a huge adjustment.
2: Okay. Do you think that that hurts you or, or helped you at this point?
1: I don't think that I have a team that sees the minimum goal and thinks they want to only hit the minimum goal. I think they want to push towards a stretch goal. I think teams feel defeated if they, if you set a goal too high and they never hit it. So I think it helps us more and it hurts us.
2: I think you want to have goals that you are capable of hitting, but stretch you. Um, I always say that you're never going to hit hundred percent of your goals. If you are, you're, you're probably not doing it right. You know, I want, I I always want some, there's a, there's a book. I think it's um, by Marcus Buckingham that talks about a BHAG, Big Harry goal, right? and that every company needs to have those big goals. Do you Jeremy, do you set big goals? Do you do you talk about the big goals and and even though we're maybe not quite there, do you talk about the big picture?
3: Yeah, you know, um I I, re, I really like set the stretch goal. Uh, I never heard of it that way, but I really <laughs> like that idea. Um, you know, um with, like, like what you said, you know, um the the big goals are definitely you can't have a goal, I mean, you don't want a goal so big that you can't ever hit it because it deflates everybody, but you need a goal. that definitely is going to stretch everybody because, you know, it's everybody on our team. They, they want something that they can um, to be stretched for and that, that they can fight for because when they get it, I mean, it makes everybody feel better. Nobody wants to hit the ball hundred percent of the time. You know, they want to miss it every once in a while because it feels like they're accomplishing something. It feels like they're actually working for something. So, um, you know, we talk about the big goals a lot.
2: Okay. Uh, um, d- don't tell anybody, especially not Seth. But he's Seth's a pretty smart guy, so he's just very. I know I said that.
3: Um, I got all kinds of notes from him today.
2: Did you good? Uh, uh, he runs a Seth runs a very he has a very well run business, and he he's on top of it. Does a does a really good job there. Um, uh, all right, so uh, we're towards the end of this thing. Um, what advice? And we'll start with you, Jeremy. Would you give? a shop owner that's listening to this as far as, you know, goal setting, planning, running the business? Um, you know, uh,
3: I mean, the biggest advice I've had, I would say um, just making sure that, you know, uh, one, just if you have, if you don't have one, make sure you are goal setting and planning. That's probably the biggest one to start with. And two, um, you know, just making sure that you're involving everybody in your organization with it. Um, you know, don't, don't just keep it to yourself, making sure everybody's getting the buy-in on it um, and then you're sharing it with everybody um, because I think if everybody is included in it, um, I think it's going to be a lot easier for everybody to make sure that uh, they'll hit their goals.
2: Jeremy, what, uh, I'm going to ask you one more question, then I'll move to Seth and, and kind of close it out. What's the biggest thing you think you've learned this year? uh belief okay explain that just a little bit for someone so that might listen.
3: so i think the biggest thing i've learned this year um is just having everybody on our team and everybody about um believing in to um with the organization and just uh whatever you whatever you believe in if you get everybody on your team believing into something it's just amazing what what an organization whether it's technicians advisors um that, that's been probably our biggest tipping point in our organization. Uh, whether it's been on a closing ratio, whether it's been on average opportunity, doesn't matter what, what's been in our organization. Whenever you get people to believe in something and the belief happens, um, it's it's changed our numbers dramatically. I mean, it's we've had five months in a row that's been record months just because of belief. It's it is cool, isn't it? I mean, uh-huh. All right, Seth, what,
2: what advice would you give someone uh, owns a shop that's listening to this? What's your best piece of advice for them as far as this stuff goes?
1: If this is what you want to do, then my best piece of advice, and doesn't mean this is for everybody. You know, if, if you want to be happy in your business working in it, that's fine. But if you want something more, my biggest piece of advice is once a quarter, turn your damn phone off, turn your darn computer off, go up in the mid For me, it's in the middle of nowhere sitting on a, on a hillside, I bring my notebook and a piece of paper, and I'm going to dream and draw out my plans, my goals, and really take half a day, five, six hours, tell my wife, tell my family, just I'm gone. Five or six hours. I'm going to draw out what I want. I'm going to come back with a notebook, and then I'm going to reverse engineer how to get to those goals that we want. But you can't do that with distractions. You just need to take one day a quarter and just go sit somewhere. And if your happy place is a library, go sit at a library. I don't care.
2: I used to do that too. Um, I, I, don't, I don't do that as much because my role here is a little different role. So I kind of do that in my office. I can shut my phones off and my computer off and and you know put my feet up and just think about how I want this all to go. Um, I think sharing it with the staff and having them understand that vision creates a different dynamic uh, and energy within the company. Um, Seth I'm gonna ask you one more question uh, we started a couple of minutes late so we got a couple of minutes um, what's the biggest thing that you've learned this year
1: biggest thing I've learned this year oh boy um, well I mean COVID kicks your butt right <laughs> well COVID made I think COVID
2: <laughs> was a, in some ways a good thing because it made us Kind of rethink our model and and cut back, you know. Look at our budgets and some other stuff. But but yeah. So what did you learn? I mean, what did COVID teach you?
1: Uh, COVID really taught me to really focus on a, a, a my leadership style and make sure that that we are leading people and through very uncertain times when people have a lot of trust issues and a lot of worry. That that you know, I use the analogy with my team all the time that we're in the middle of a hurricane and the boat's rocking and, and going all over the place. And if you follow my instructions and, and believe in me and paddle when I say paddle and stop when I say stop, that, that we're going to get through this without throwing anybody overboard. And, you know, it, it really taught me to, to trust my leadership style and trust my team and, and make sure that we help guide people through these things and come out stronger.
2: Okay. <coughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sum up just a, a bit. And I think you're both kind of saying some of the same things you plan. You certainly look at your year. You, you set goals and targets for that, but every quarter you kind of go through it and, and, and make adjustments and rethink it. So it's almost like it's a a living plan that you're working with uh, throughout the whole year. It's not like something you put in play and then that's all there is. Um, so, all right. Um, uh, I always, I always love these things and, uh, I can't wait. You know, at the at the end, I'm like, did did an hour just go by? Well, an hour just went by. So, um, Jeremy, I, I want to thank you for being here. Appreciate your um, your input. Seth, as always, um, I figured out what's wrong with you today. Your beard's gone. Yeah, oh, you look funny to me. Um, so, so, but I want to. I always look funny. I want to thank you for 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 being here and and you know helping other guys in the industry. Um, If you want more, you can go to gearforshops.com. That is our learning management system. We have a lot of uh, content. If you go to uh, iTunes or Spotify and you look for The Leading Edge, you can find most of the Leading Edge things. This is number 59. We'll be on 60 in two weeks. Um, So, uh, guys, thanks. And uh, as always, I appreciate you. And we'll be talking to you soon, no doubt. Okay? Bye, y'all. Bye.
0: That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services
2: we provide, visit i4Ave.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.